You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, so let's move on to the next question. And this is an email from Brian who said, Would there be any benefit to letting Matt Potra play for Canada in World Juniors? I don't really think so. Um, you know, he he's helping you win NHL games right now, and he's been a fixture in your lineup. Um, I don't know what he could learn by going to play World Juniors that he isn't learning at the NHL level. So um, that's a tough one. I know that debate comes up. You know, every year it seems like there's a couple players who are kind of in this situation. And, you know, World Juniors is a great tournament, and – I'm sure, you know, six months ago is probably on Potra's radar as something he really wanted to play in. But when you make the NHL and you stick on the NHL roster and you're playing every night, that I think most guys would tell you, you know, that's in the end more valuable than going to play a World Junior Tournament. I think that a very simple answer is that who are you going to plug in if he leaves? Like, who well, is Morgan, the Morgan, Morgan Geeky slides to center. Yeah, but like, is that what I'm trying to say? Is it does that give you a better chance of winning? Like, does how how does that help you? Like, I, there's I don't see the, the well, value I, in sending him. Like, I think the but, question more is kind of Bridget. Do you think there's a benefit for Patra to go down to, to the tournament? Oh no. The 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 only time I would say, like the only situation where I could say maybe it might be beneficial is if he was like really struggling to put up point, like if we get closer to that time and he's gone 10 games without a point, mm. like there's something to the idea of, Hey, go light up world juniors. Remember what it feels like to score and put up a bunch of points. He comes boost. back with more confidence type thing. But even, you know, even if like he, if he's keeping up, you know, around a half of a point a game type pace, like, I don't think that's really in play. See, even even that could be a gamble too, because what if he goes down and doesn't put up those points? Then he's really like battling. Fabian Lysel last year. Exactly. Second time around goes scoreless in seven games. Like that that was not good. I think so. The only benefit I could see is exactly what Scott just alluded to, which would be a potential confidence boost for him to put up some points. Um, but personally, I don't like the Bruins making themselves vulnerable to clearly a player who is hoping to be a, a, a top nine fixture for them getting hurt. Yes. He can get hurt in a Bruins game, but I'd ra- if he's going to take a shot off the ankle, I'd rather it be because he's playing for the Bruins and not um, 
Canadian international uh, team. So I would yeah. say not really, not really. And I think that if if you are looking at that point in the season for a, a like desperate competent confidence boost, then there might be a bigger problem. Like then then maybe we're actually talking about uh, getting back in on the Lindholm trade talks and like we circle back around to our first question about adding a center. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I just don't see it. I don't see it happening. I I don't. I know it's the question was does it benefit him, but I just don't see like a world where he. Like, it makes sense for either side, like either him or the team. Uh, Bridget, potential detour to a fashion segment while we are in the mailbag. So I'm going to go ahead and read off Jeff's question that was emailed to us. And this is Jeff's question. By no means am I minimizing the situation with Lucic, which is unconscionable. However... About a year ago, I finally found my Holy Grail jersey, an authentic 2010 Winter Classic in my size, which happened to be a number 17 with a Lucic nameplate. I think I know the answer, but is there any way to wear it now, or do I just have to eat the money? Is this like having a Kurt Schilling jersey at this point? Um, Be an interesting fashion segment to discuss just how bad does a player have to transgress before you can no longer wear their jersey in public does the transgression have to be personal or can it be professional as well first off i i love this question or questions like this that are just kind of out of the blue um (laughs) yeah i think unfortunately i don't think you can really wear that in a public setting right now i will say that when you go to bruins games at the garden You'll still you're still seeing a couple of Milan Lucic yep. jerseys. Right I saw now. some. Yep, I did. I saw actually a lot. Yeah, which uh, you know I think is a bit of a choice. Per- personally, I would not be wearing that jersey right now. Um, you know, I obviously you hold on to it and you see how it all plays out, and maybe this whole thing ends up not being as bad or charges a draw like. I don't know. Maybe there's some sort of rehab rehabilitation down the line where Lucci just finds his way back into some good graces. Like, I don't know. That doesn't really seem like it's going to be happening anytime soon, but you just don't really know how these things play out until they're actually done playing out. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that, that's a tough one though, because if it does end up bad and you know, there's like a real price for Lucci to pay here, then it almost does kind of become a jersey that you might never really be able to to wear again. Um, and I, I don't I don't know what do you do with that. Do you try to get it changed to some other number? Like, is that even possible? I did. Yes, I, I know, know. A guy. I was actually just okay. going to tell you I know a guy. Like, I'm not even kidding. Um, I know someone that will fix your jersey well, or turn it into a I ha- jacket. Or I have I have. The simple solution for Jeff. Take some tape, put it over Luchich's name, and type uh, or write with a sketch, a magic marker, Schaefer. Because I think Peter Schaefer was number 17, wasn't he? Or was he 72 or something? Who was number 17 before Luchich? Uh, it, it, it wouldn't have been Schaefer because that, uh, that was the same year they were on a team together. So it wouldn't have been Peter Schaefer. Who was 17 before Luchich? I was going to say, we, we haven't done jersey numbers in a while. I get a... But we'll, we'll, who, do, 
do we well, got the, the Bruins have been posting them right along for like the centennial season, like on their Instagram. They keep uh, Zamner was Zam was uh, Rob, Rob Zamner was one recently. Nick Felino, Ryan Donato. Oh, oh just, yeah, that's right. Nick Felino jersey, then there you yeah. go. Fliggy, except for he wasn't on that, he wasn't with the team that year, that's but you true. know, yeah. that yeah. people aren't gonna hopefully people don't notice. Um, I would, I would say to Jeff's question, uh, I think Scott handled it pretty. Uh, said it pretty pretty well as, as it pertains to like you know a public matter like this. It's like you know until this, until you you really know the whole story and, and exactly what goes down. Until then, maybe just while everybody has their right to wear anything that they purchase, maybe just um, it, it might not be the smartest well, jersey to wear. This this isn't a question that actually one of the other writers that we work with, Matt Vitor, asked me like a few months ago. He was like, for some reason, he thought it was, he goes, Bridget, is there anyone's jersey that if like you went on a first date with someone and they were wearing this jersey that you would be like, nope, <laughs> like like it would they would fail the first date immediately. And I think you could put Milan Lucic in that um, yeah. range now at this point. But what about what about a what about a Mac Jones jersey? <laughs> no. I mean, because that's one with, he's just, um, you know, meh, but the, sec- the, the, the second part of, the, of Jeff's question was like, or, or if somebody just like their, their play got worse and worse and worse. Would you, would you not wear the Jersey then? I feel like that that's pretty applicable to Mac Jones. There's probably a lot of Mac Jones jerseys that were purchased in 2021 that mm. might be finding their way to the attic. My, uh, my, yeah. my go-to on that one was, uh, when the Patriots drafted him the first round, I as a kid I got a Lawrence Maroney jersey, mm-hmm. and uh, he he was basically a bust. And I I did not wear that jersey much until like years later, and then I wore it like ironically. It was just like like funny to wear a Lawrence Maroney jersey, <laughs> but um, yeah, that's that's why like you gotta you gotta get jerseys of established guys who have been around, which obviously Lucic was, um, you know, unfortunately until very recently. Lucic was an established guy and yeah it just like went south like um so my other answers were Aaron Hernandez um yeah I said Kyrie Irving I just I know I if someone showed up to a date a first date wearing a Kyrie Irving jersey I think that that would be a red flag what what if Um, what if I was wearing a BU DJ Irving jersey Kyrie's father (laughs) One, one of I great, don't even know Scott how to answer that because <laughs> one of the greatest players in BU basketball history. Oh God! I, you know what? I would never. Yeah, you know what's funny is like there, there were room, there were rumors like when Kyrie was in high school that like BU was looking at him. He was looking at BU because of his dad's connection. It was like Kyrie Irving isn't going to BU guys. Like he's getting recruited by Duke and every other top program in the country. No. So. Scott, so Bridget, what'd you say? You're just not gonna date people with jerseys? Is that what you said? I'm just not. Gonna, yeah, actually, if you show up to a first date like, with me in a fucking jersey, you leave. Just just go back home, please. Just say like unless unless you're going to a game, like that's that's yeah. the bold choice. Hey, not, yeah. nothing. And also, also offer to pay for my dinner. No. Yeah, I mean that's <laughs> that, that's pay. That that's common. That's common etiquette. But I mean, yeah, I mean, not, nothing, nothing, you know, nothing says date me like wearing a jersey with some other guy's name on the back of it <laughs> on, <laughs> on your first date. Uh, or 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 female's name. It could be a WNBA jersey or a, a PWHL jersey. Yeah. We didn't talk. Oh, we didn't have a fashion segment on those jerseys. Those are pretty bland, huh? 
They suck. The Boston ones? Yeah. Well, all of them. They don't all, have names yet. They they're all template. Have... Yeah. Every every yeah, every jersey they're, they're the same. All like, they're all like EA Sports created team. Like, yeah. just yeah. awful. Okay. Yeah, I think they're waiting. I think that they're those are like the, the placeholders for when they actually have a determined you know possibly name besides just boston you know start it's not playing next month what january 2nd right right down the street from me at the sangha center oh my god what happened to my camera (laughs) hi bridget (laughs) what Uh, the fuck is going on hey 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 don't whatever you do whatever you do don't call it don't call her two-faced okay um i don't even know what to do with this scott did you say they're playing at sangha yeah that's their home rank yeah, no. I thought I thought they were doing like neutral sites for all these games. No, like no, each um each city there has like their own home rank. But mm. yeah, the the bot the quote unquote Boston team is mm. playing in Lowell. Hmm. Which, uh, That's pretty cool. Yeah, I didn't know that actually. Good. To know. I mean, it's it's cool for Lowell, but like fans in Boston. That's I mean, it's, it's a bit of a trek. I I I make yeah. that drive often. It's. Yeah, but we, but but it's, I mean, it, like like every team in Boston, it's regional. I mean, everybody from all over this region likes to travel for for these these games. So I drive a lot farther. I mean, Lowell's probably yeah. Um, okay, so this is a great rank too. It is. Where, where would you have recommended Scott? I mean, anything's better than Warrior. I mean, uh, the pride playing at Warrior. It's like it's a great practice facility. That should be it. <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's too small, and I I do think like other places are just probably would have been tough schedule wise. Like, like I could say again, but it's like, okay, is again, it's going to be able to, you know, fit their games in regularly when you have, um, you know, BU already playing there and concerts and events and all whatnot. Maybe Harvard. They have like, I mean, Northeastern Matthews is probably a little too old. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I like Matthews. The, the reason why I think it's at Sonic is because... Bentley's rink's really nice. I don't know yeah. how much other thing stuff they use it for. I mean, that's in Waltham, so you're not right in Boston, but pretty that's close. That's true. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I I just know that um, weirdly, UMass Lowell does not have a women's hockey team. Neither does UMass Amherst. Um, so, like, they have a little bit more ice time available at Songus because they don't have mm. a men and a women's team there. So... Yeah, I mean, Songus back in the day had you had the Riverhawks, you had uh, the Lock Monsters or the River Rats, whichever one you we watch. But for me, it was the Lock Monsters, and then you had, I mean, there was a ton of youth games back then as well, and maybe yeah. I think I think uh, Lowell Tech may have played there too, and some other schools. So now yeah, they, they didn't. And when the Lock Monsters first came, the the Riverhawks stayed at, you know, then it was Tully Forum, now Chelmsford Forum. Like they stayed there for a little bit before they finally moved mm. over. Anyways, real ones remember Tully Forum, not Chelmsford Forum, Scott. Good reference. Well, especially if, if you're from Bill Ricca, you don't call it Chelmsford Forum because no. it's, it's technically Tully. in Bill Ricca. So, right, right, exactly. Um, all right, moving along here. Um, Sam emailed us a question. Uh, still stunned that Beecher was benched for the Toronto game considering the goals he scored and how high his, um, Percentages for winning faceoffs. I can't believe I have to ask this question, but do you see any scenario where they send him back to Providence if Monty decides to go with Oscar Steen? No, I don't, because I think 
I think the reasons behind Beecher getting sad are very fixable and were more short-term, hey, take a data reset type thing and not like long-term issues compounding on top of each other where he's like a net negative to the team. Like we have not seen that. He's even during that stretch where Montgomery saw his game slipping a little bit, like as uh, you know, as they reference in the question, like, he had three goals in the six games before that. He's been winning faceoffs, killing penalties. Um, you know, I mentioned on the last podcast, like he, he was not a minus at five on five in any game they played in November. So unless things like really went south where he was like out there hurting the team and was on on the ice for a bunch of goals against, I I don't think him getting sent down is um is in the cards. Like you would see you'd see more of a rotation maybe on the fourth line before you'd even get to that. No, I think he's, he's safe. I would say um, because of the center pipeline that we've been talking about, I know we, and you referenced this a little bit earlier as well. Scott geeky can play center and he does occasionally take shifts at center over the last few games. I noticed that, especially like after a power play or after a penalty kill. Um, So he can do that. But I don't see Dean beating Beecher out for a job. First of all, because of the position, like who, what position they need. And also just because I think Beecher, straight from camp all the way through now, has shown he, you know, he can play that role and he's a better option than Steen, who's not a center. Um, but so I don't think that the competition, like I, I know this was actually me that said this last episode, um, like, you know, showing him that Montgomery showing Beecher, like, Hey, we have other guys that we can plug in more of a, like a scare tactic. But I don't think there's really anything to it that makes me think that he would actually do it besides just to be like, there's still competition you have to worry about. But like, I don't think, I think we're so far away from seeing him like Beecher put up a performance or a few, like a month of performances where he deserves to get passed in the depth chart by anyone i don't even you know it would probably need to be a center as well um so yeah i i think we all said this as well at the time we're kind of surprised by the by the benching in the first place so um yeah not i'm not super concerned he's gonna lose his job i I don't know about you guys but i just i don't think he's at that point and i also think that um you know he like you said scott those fixable like fixable things it's not like Oh, you know, he can develop more. He's once again, like Laura, he's in his, he's like 22 or 23. He's not like 18. So um, yeah, he, it's not like he's still making those kinds of mistakes. Yep. I agree with the two of you. So I'll just move on to the next question. Now, Sam had a a second question regarding Patra, but um, we're going to lump all the Patra questions into one because there were multiple of them. So um, Liz reached out to us and asked the Bruins have an optional skate this morning, which is Tuesday. Um, why is that when everyone on the team has talked about how they haven't had enough practice days to work on things? So I asked, I actually asked Jim Montgomery this at said optional practice. Um, and his answer was basically that they just got through a stretcher. They had nine games and 16 days. He said, there are some guys battling bumps and bruises. Um, and they just thought like they're, they're going to 
probably have a pretty hard practice Wednesday. They still had everyone in the building for a video session, so they still went over things that, you know, presumably, presumably now they're going to go out on the ice and practice on Wednesday. Um, but I think they just thought it'd be beneficial for guys to kind of do as little or as much as they wanted on Tuesday, um, not skate them too hard. And guys who wanted to rest or take it easy could. Um, so that's sort of what it seems like is it's informed more by they feel like the benefit of maybe a little bit more downtime right now was uh, more advantageous than back-to-back like hard practice days. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Bridget, nothing to add there. Obviously, Scott kind of heard it from Coach's mouth, so... Yeah, I was going to say there's nothing to add. Scott was also there. So, <laughs> not an optional skate for, for Scott. No, it wasn't. We made I mean, te- technically, it could have been. I, I could have. No, no one was forcing me to go, but. Yeah, but that's but, the heart of a champion, though. You just show up even when you don't have to. I, I actually went I actually went only to ask that question. That is the only reason no, <laughs> that that wasn't. But uh, it was a benefit. Yes, he took the bail bag questions and brought them right to coach and was like, hey, can you can you answer some of these for our viewers? Yeah, I'm just, I'm just like, all right, Monty, I've got uh, mail bag questions here. Uh, got about 10 questions about Wait, where Pops are to play. Are so you coach, the so coach, um, quick question for you. Would you still wear a Lucic jersey? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so, which one would Jim Montgomery uh, rather wear a Lucic jersey or be you, Darren? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. They're both a, red flags. Question. They're both red flags. I'll let Monty answer that one. Um, all right. So, Sam and Liz both had questions about Patra. So, I'll quickly just mention their points, but. And then go into Kim's main question about Patra. Sam was talking about basically um, just Patra moving around lines too much and and not having an opportunity to kind of get chemistry um, and just let the kid do his thing and, and find some some players that he works with. And and then um, oh, and also also talked about uh, how he draws a lot of penalties and there was a lack of maybe maybe a lack of standing up for him at times this year, like in the Panthers game, he got cross-checked and Reeves hitting him from behind and how Marshand and Heinen respectively, I think may have tried to do something, but not protecting him as much as maybe the team, his teammates should. Um, and then, yeah. So then, so Kim, Kim emailed us this question and she said, after the San Jose game, I was confident that Monty had finally found the line combinations he had been looking for. Moving Marshan to the Patra Heinen line, keeping JVR, Coyle, Freddie together, and having Jake play with Pasta, Zaka paid off. All the lines just clicked, and Monty in particular raved about the chemistry and energy of the Marshan Patra Heinen line. It sounded like Monty was planning to keep all three lines together, but flipped Coyle and Patra just for the Toronto game due to matchups. 
Um, fast forward to Sunday, and everything Monty said went out the window, and he kept the Toronto Lions for the CBJ game. I'm guessing because Marshan finally scored that Monty won't change the lines back despite the JVR Potch or Freddie line not really clicking. However, the JVR Coyle Freddie line has been consistently good throughout the season, and there's no argument that Coyle Freddie thrive together on the same line. Patra and Heinen have already developed great chemistry, and with Marshan driving the line, you could tell they were going to be a force to be reckoned with. So of that, here's her question. Do you all feel that the top three lines from the San Jose game should have stayed together? Do you think we will see them together again? I liked those lines. I, I agree with her. I think that, I mean, it was against San Jose, um, which we, we kind of like preface, but I think that those were lines that I, I was hoping to see for a longer period of time because um, putting DeBrusque, with pasta and Zaka made sense. He, and they did have flashes. Um, I thought they had a good game coach for whatever reason, seemed to not be as enthusiastic about that line. Um, but Patra with Marshand and Heinen, who we've talked about, um, you know, out, outperforming what we thought he could do and being a very complimentary player, um, set up one of Marshawn's most recent goals. So like he's still, I see that, Patra with Marshawn and Heinen should still be similar than with Coyle. Like I don't necessarily understand the reasoning to take Coyle away from JVR and Freddie. I thought that obviously Coyle played well with Marshawn and uh, Heinen, but it feels like too much of a detraction from what he could be adding to a different line. And also it was weird with, JVR and Patra and like something about that just wasn't working for me. I don't know about you guys. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, it was matchup based against Toronto. And I think if it sticks and obviously it did stick Sunday night against Columbus, which I wonder if part of that is, Hey, you're playing a back to back and we liked, we liked the way things looked against Toronto. So without any sort of practice in between, might as well just stick with it for another game. I will be interested to see Wednesday at practice what the lines look like. Um, but I also think part of this is is the role in the kinds of shifts uh is going to get. Because if you're with Marshand, then you're seeing opponents, you know, one of their top checking lines, one of their top two defense pairs, um, you're getting, you know, uh, probably fairly significant minutes. Um, we've seen Montgomery clearly doesn't totally trust Patra in like third period of games. Yeah, protecting leads. So I think by putting Coyle with Martian and Heinen in Montgomery's mind, I think that creates more of a true second line that he's going to be able to roll out in any situation, any matchup, third period, protecting leads anything and he doesn't have to worry about at least changing that up as the game goes on um you put Padre with Ben Reemsteig and Frederick and you can kind of protect him shelter him a little more when it comes to to matchups so you know I do agree that that line hasn't to- really clicked yet but I also don't think like it's been a disaster like I, I think there's something there that you can try to build on. Um, 
So I'm going to be interested to see if Montgomery kind of sticks with that lineup and gives those lines a chance to build, or does he go back to Marsha and Patra Heinen, which did certainly flash in that one game they had together. Although, as you mentioned, it was against San Jose, the worst team in the NHL. Yeah, which is why we would like to see it, how it could work against a more middle-of-the-road team. Like, not not necessarily the, the last team, but, um, yeah. And, and, you know, what? we keep coming back to this idea of, like, maybe Potter not being ready to handle all situations, but it kind of drives me crazy that, like, why – why are we sheltering him and babying him this much? Like, I feel like he can grow and he can learn from playing in those situations. Um, To put him next to Freddie, I mean, in terms of like having someone to stick up for him, like Frederick can do that. We've seen him uh, fight. We know he's probably one of the only guys that is willing to do that on this team this year. So I get like, that's an option for you, I guess, but it just, it felt like Marshawn and Patra finally were kind of getting that chemistry. And then, it, you know, we, we don't, we don't get a chance to see it over the, the next two games. So it's weird. It's just, sometimes there's, it feels like, and it felt like this in the playoffs last year at times, like just over tinkering at times. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, to answer the, the last part of the question, I definitely think we'll see those lines again. Um, I think, I don't I don't take too much stock in the lines too too much at different points in the regular season just because there's there's always the regular season is so long sometimes the lineup the lines change because you're trying to get one specific guy going and there's a there's a butterfly effect everywhere else in the lineup sometimes it is matchup dependent um so but with that said I think another reason would be to change the lines is yes to see what you have um with certain combinations. I think there's a fine line between changing the lines um, throughout the regular season for different reasons to keep things fresh and then changing the lines too much. Like you do want to, you do want to give certain lines like five game sample sizes, I think. And if you do that, you're still going to have plenty of combinations to, to tinker with all year. Um, but it just seems like Montgomery does it too quick, too quick, too, too frequent. Like you can let a line go go together for three, four games, and you still have another, you know, 78, 70 to I'm talking if this was October, you know what I mean? So it's like I think he needs to let things breathe just a little bit more. Um, it's unrealistic to expect him to pick four lines and roll with them all year, but it is he's got he's gotta find a bit of a better balance, I think. And again, with somebody like Potra, it's like I think the Bruins kind of hope that he can be a top six fixture for them at some point. Um, later in the season. And the only way he's going to get there is by logging top six minutes with top six players around him, playing against other top six players on the opposition. So, um, yeah. I want to make just like a comparison. I know it's not obviously pros in college are very different, but when you see, but the, my, the point I'm, the reason I'm making it is because of how young Patra is you very rarely see this kind of line tinkering that a coach doing it in college at the college level. Like they're trying to establish chemistry. They're trying to establish, establish consistency. Um, like I, you very rarely see this, the kind of changing and playing um, somebody so young with so many different line mates and mixing it up every single night. Like 
it's intentional in college to keep guys together and let them grow and build chemistry and, and, you know, fight through some of the learning curves. But um, because it's the NHL, you know, most guys can handle it, but you we're talking specifically about someone who is very young and, um, you know, continuing to grow and, and sometimes just a little bit of stability could go a long way. So, you know, sometimes we're, we're saying, okay, maybe he's not contributing as much as we thought he would. Well, maybe it's because he hasn't been able to settle in and feel comfortable. Like this is his, like, th- these are my guys that I work with. Th- th- these are the looks I, I like, this is where I know Marshawn's going to be. And then all of a sudden, Oh, Marshawn's not on my line anymore. Just maybe a little bit more consistency for a kid that's 19 years old would, would help. I mean, certainly it could. I personally, like, I, I don't really think it's doing any harm moving him around and getting him looks with different wingers. It's, it's also new to him it, that like, I don't know, like he, he's not expecting to, or he shouldn't be expecting to get like 10 games straight playing with Brad Marshan. Like, I think Matt Podge is probably pretty happy with just being here and playing period. And so yeah, (laughs) moving, moving things around and, you know, figuring out what works and what you want to do in certain games. Like I'm fine with it. I sometimes, yes, Montgomery can change things too much. Um, But to me, like, I'm just okay with doing it as the year goes on. Like, I think it's fine. I think, I think you kind of want everyone to be able to play with everyone anyways, because we, we saw this last, like last year, especially the second half of the season, they did have settled lines for a long stretch. And then you get to the end of the season in the playoffs and there's injuries and you have to move things around. And all of a sudden guys are playing with guys. They maybe haven't been on a line with in a couple months. So um, I don't, I don't think there's really a whole lot of harm in it. Uh, last thing to note here, because I think we, uh, briefly touched on it, but I think it was Sam who, uh, said, um, speaking of Padre, he has to have drawn the most penalties on the team. Is that true? Good instincts, Sam, uh, because Matt Padre is tied for the team lead in penalties drawn with Brad Marshand. They have each, each drawn 13 penalties. Uh, David Postenock's third with 10 drawn um charlie mcavoy has drawn drawn nine which is usually defensemen don't draw a lot of penalties so that's um that's pretty impressive for mcavoy to be up there too 